I rip and I rhyme. I rhyme and I rip. This is the way that Ryan spits. Oh, dick. Oh, dick, oh, bud. Oh, dick. The whole program's cocked in here, boys. How are you, friend? Well, I'm a little struggle bus. <laughs> we're I'm a, a little struggle bus. We're in a new location tonight, and it's Ryan's really having a hard time adjusting. He has to sit on a couch instead of a chair, and it's thrown his whole shit off. You guys, listen, guys and gals and uh, and all, and everyone in between, I am a person who loves their routine. Uh, pattern is important for me. <laughs> Having the You've things sat that in the I same chair for like 149 out of our 150 episodes. You know, maybe that's what it is. Mm -hmm. There's a fairness to my assessment here that I'm just so used to one thing because I have literally done it for hundreds of hours. Yeah, that doing it in a different room with different lighting and a different seat and a different microphone is disconcerting to my <laughs> to my delicate demeanor and well. Shout out to River Rock Studios for accommodating my poor planning. Uh, <laughs> Ryan's got the soundboard also. And he doesn't know what any of the buttons are. And he's got no headphones on. Here we go. Nope. I got no I got no no, no I got, buttons after all that. I huh? got no words on here, man. All right. Hit the uh, pad mode. The uh, yeah, up at the pad top. Mode. There it is. Oh. Okay, wait. Pad me now. Try <laughs> pad me now <laughs> for your free sound. <laughs> uh okay, give me it one more time. I'm ready now. I don't remember what I said. Something about uh, River Rock. Uh, we're at, thank you to River Rock Studios for accommodating my poor planning. Hell yes! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shit. heard that over here and I don't have headphones on. <laughs> scared the which, shit out of me. <laughs> which means I literally deafened you. <laughs> yeah. I bet River Rock is really psyched that they're associated with this bullshit right now. <laughs> They're like, don't tell these people about us. <laughs> this is our worst sounding episode ever. Uh, thanks to River Rock Studios. You you won't oh, be able fuck. to listen to the music that gets created at River Rock because we've just deafened you all. I'm sweating because how loud that was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> I never knew that was a thing that could happen. I didn't think it was either. Oh, God. Oh, man. Remember that one episode we did where we recorded for like a really long time and then realized that we hadn't been recording that whole time? Is that happening right now? No, I, I wish it was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was this episode. For a second, I thought you were going to be like, we got to do all this again. God, I wish. No, nope, we're here now. Uh, hey, y'all. This is the What If Podcast, believe it or not. And yeah, if this is your yeah. first episode, so turn sorry. it off. I'm so sorry. <laughs> turn it off. <laughs> Go listen to one of the other 150 we've done first and then come back to this uh, debauchery. Yeah. And it'll make a little more sense to you. Um, um, how are you, man? What's going on? I'm doing good, dude. I uh, I don't do this often. I'm going to recommend a podcast to you. Okay. It's my one of my and by proxy thousands and thousands of other people. Yeah, no promo, but the uh, Dolly Parton's America <laughs> podcast is one of the best podcasts I've heard in a really long time. No shit. Yeah, and this is the one that This American Life did, or yeah, it's, it's the dude from This American Life. Um, uh, I don't remember his name right now, uh, but it's called Dolly Parton's America, and it's a nine-part pod. Or no, Radio Lab. Is it? Is it the guys from Radiolab? Is it Jad Abenrod? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Radiolab, not This American Life. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That dude. That dude. And it's it's primarily just him. 
or like he's the the host of it. Um, and I like him a lot on Radio Lab. Oh, he's he's great, and he has. Uh, it seems like unlimited access to Dolly Parton for this pod, and it's fantastic. That was literally going to be my first question: is is Dolly Parton on the show? Yes, significantly so. It yes. Appears. Yeah. 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 Huh. And the whole season is, or the whole show is nine episodes. There's six out so far, and it's amazing. I've listened to all six of them in the last three days. I um, I've never like I've always been fine with Dolly Parton. I've just never I didn't grow up listening to her music, and I've never been thoroughly, you know, set out to like go learn more about her. But yeah. um. I'm into it. I'm down. I, Let's freaking go. I was, uh, I've been fascinated with her as a songwriter, but didn't know anything about her personally until listening to this. And it's, it is fascinating on both counts. Is she richer than God at this oh, point? Oh yeah. 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 Like way richer. Than Many God, hundreds right? of millions of dollars. Yes. Lit. Good for her. Yeah. Dude. I mean, <clears throat> the music she's written alone and then all the like TV and movies and like, you know, she's still performing in her seventies. Like, yeah. yeah, she's got stupid money. Some she wrote Jolene and I Will Always Love You in the same day. I'm sorry, I Will Always Love You, not the Celine Dion song. Celine Dion. And uh, I don't think Celine Dion has ever sang that song, but yeah, yes, that's the song you're thinking of. Yeah, Dolly Parton wrote that. Isn't that Celine Dion? I don't think she ever did. Are you thinking of Whitney Houston from The Bodyguard? Oh, God, I'm such an idiot. I, have to, <laughs> I literally have to resign from everything I've ever done. I'm telling you, man, I wish we hadn't hit record on this I, one. <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be, we're going to make that joke 10 more times well, during this episode. Right, let's let's talk about dead people. Go listen to that podcast. <laughs> it's great. But you're listening to this podcast, and we're talking about dead people and reanimating things and people and creatures. I like how quickly we told people this podcast is a podcast about telling you to go listen to a different podcast. Yeah, well. You know, I actually, it's better than this one. <laughs> I had an idea the other day that someone will probably steal now that I'm telling it to all these people, but I oh, had a good, I, it just keeps getting better. I had an idea for a podcast that I think would be really funny. You know how, when you're listening to a podcast that you like and then randomly in their stream, they'll be like introducing oh, yeah. this new podcast that you can go listen to here. I just thought it only would, do that. It would be a really funny podcast to just do five minute episodes of introducing, and every episode is just a fake episode of a new podcast huh. about a completely random different thing. And you I could bet have like somebody's done a version of that fake mini interviews, yeah. and you could like have funny websites. Like each one could have its own website, and you could I don't know. I'm maybe. sure some improv troupe somewhere has done that. You just reduce my idea to an improv true I mean, it, your thing concept, that's already done. Your concept is an improv game, but it could be funny. Is it? Like improv. No, I mean, I don't know. I've never done improv, but it seems like it. <laughs> it's like we did this in my class on <laughs> yeah, Wednesday night. I've, I've been, done this many times. Make up a bunch of little things and be cute about it. That seems like an improv game. I'm down. Yeah. Um. Anyway. That's not this podcast, nor is Dolly Parton's mm-hmm. podcast. This mm-hmm. is a podcast where we talk about dead people. Uh, what if you were undead, reanimated? What if you reanimated the dead? What if you died more than once? What if you died and then undied? I don't do, know, man. Where do you want to start with this one? I got a bunch of crazy stories that don't necessarily relate to each other. Okay. I think but that's are probably all pretty entertaining. I think that's probably where we're going to go all over the place today. So why don't you kick us off? Also, because I don't have internet yet, so oh, good, I'm going to fi- get good. that figured out. This and, is fantastic. And, and you tell me a story. So, 
I came to this topic the other day uh, through a book um, that was actually, it's actually about zombies. It's, it's essentially like how you might go about actually having zombies on earth. It's called how to make a zombie, the real life and death science of reanimation and mind control by Frank Swain. Frank sounds like a man after our own hearts. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, so a lot of the book is about, it's broken down into sections in terms of like, in order to have a zombie, you first need something or someone or a bunch of someones that are undead, whatever that means. So Undead? He, I mean, that's... Oh, like I thought you dead, meant, but still moving around, you know, for sure. I thought you meant the first ingredient was undead things. I was like, it seems like he skipped a lot of stuff. Well, so, so, you know, you need things that have died and been brought back to life or are like somewhere in between alive and dead. Sure. Then you need to be able to control those things. Then you need the whole like eating brains part. So he goes through like in these different sections, like how could this happen in a scientific way or have versions of this happened to people? You know how I always talk about how I like really good griffs? Yeah. Another thing that's really high up there for me with really good griffs is people who take extremely non-serious things extremely seriously. How and is that a grift? No, no, it's not. I'm just oh, saying oh, I, like I herald it up there it, similarly got it, got it. in like, good for you. Like, good for you yeah. for taking this very not real thing and being like, oh, I'm going all i'm writing 350 pages or, on this not real topic or not even like not real but a topic that people don't normally take seriously right it's right. like what i love about shay serrano so much and his writing especially is he he can make an engaging whole chapter about like what like three seconds of an nba game from yes. 1984 yes He's to me, he's the definition of the person who like, do you remember when you were in school and you needed to get like three more pages out of your paper and you were like, "Mm, how am I going to do this? He is that in its highest possible form where it is also actually good writing. Yes. But he, but it looks like he's writing for length, but it's great. Mm -hmm. Or he is, he's sitting down to be like, I guess I got to write five pages about this thing, better start bullshitting. And then all his bullshit is brilliant and hilarious. Yes, exactly. Anyway. So Frank Swain wrote this book. And there's one chapter in uh, particular that was interesting to me, which is chapter two, Time for a Revival. And he basically outlines attempts throughout history of people trying to reanimate dead creatures, Mm. animals, humans. I guess those two things, (laughs) (laughs) animals and humans, Um, Uh, insects, plants. No, just animals and humans. And. There's like a way longer history of this than I was aware of going back hundreds of years. Okay. Um, in more, in well, so I'll go through a, a few things that he lays out in that chapter. Can I ask a quick question first? Sure. Does he ever in the book talk about, um, like, I don't know if, there, I don't know if there's evidence of this, but the first people to try this or like the ori- the origination of it. We talked a little bit about this in the Halloween zombies episode about how there are like some very, very old Egyptian readings that 
speak to the concept of the dead coming back. And I, yeah. I mean, I guess less the concept and more like, was there a first person who was like, I'm going to work on this real quick and see if I can get this dead person back? Yes. Um, well, in in modern times, at least. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I didn't find documentation of like someone, like most things we've done, someone probably tried it thousands of years ago and we just don't we know just about don't it. Know. Right. But there was a guy named Luigi Galvani in Strong. the late 1700s who started uh, basically trying to electrocute dead animals to bring them back to life. I mean, you got to start somewhere. So, And that um, led to a branch of science, I guess. Science wasn't ex- wasn't really a thing back then in the way that it is now. I learned through this process that the word scientist was not coined until 1834. Really? Yeah, isn't that crazy? That seems quite, not that long ago. That seems quite late to me. Yeah. So this dude, Luigi Galvani, uh, Galvanism became the practice of trying to reanimate things through the use of electricity. Whoa, I'm nervous. So he started with uh, frog legs and applying electricity to them and realizing that electricity would make the muscles spasm even after the legs had been detached from the frog and the frog was dead. So I have a question about this too. Mm -hmm. I had a couple notes on this in my notes for the zombie episode just related to this specifically. And one of the things that I was wondering about this is like, okay, so... I mean, conceptually, I understand the biology of this. Your muscle is like a rubber band, and if you apply electricity to it, it causes, like, the way that I understand it, it causes, like, constriction on in that part of it because, I mean, yeah, because that's what it does. So when it constricts, it makes the whole muscle move because the rubber band is all attached, right? I mean, that's, like, a super dumb and simplistic way of saying it, but, like... I guess the point I'm trying to make is how how is that in any way like an effort to bring something back to life? Or is it? Well or is it not supposed to be? Is it like this is step one? This yeah, this was step one. You asked like where did this start? Got it. That's where it started. Okay. I just didn't I guess what I was maybe more saying was like, was this was this an initial effort of setting out to reanimate a being, or was it just like, let's see what happens with dead parts when they're dead? both okay got it uh that makes sense i think i mean i I would assume that for as long as we've been humans we've probably thought about can we bring something back from the dead right like it sucked when that person died it would be a lot cooler if they were here yeah what could we do about that if we wanted to so i'm sure that was somewhere in his brain when he was doing this stuff but i think it was more just like what happens if we do this sure because then you're also Potentially learning about like, well, are muscles controlled by electrical impulses? Does the brain right. use electricity somehow to control movement? You know, the, there are other things to be learned potentially along the way. There's also something particularly wild. I think like, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but like we dissected frogs and did this like in middle school like yeah. with this exact thing like where you're given one of those little things that plugs in and it's like a little electrical zapper and you were supposed to poke different parts of the frog and it moved yeah think about being the first person to do that that's just what i was about to say is like the first person who did that was like oh fuck it moved <laughs> oh god it moved yeah oh, exactly fuck. what the why the fuck is it moving especially if you don't have a good understanding of, or like if electricity is a relatively new concept yeah, you yeah, know yeah. like we 
That dude had a revolver on the table and put six in that frog. Well, as soon as he touched it with that electrode, he was like, ah, 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 no, we'll, no, you're We'll dead. get to some more extreme examples where people end up dying later. You're double dead. Uh, double dead frog. So that was the, the first attempt, uh, and he, it's been called galvanism after him or electrophysiology. Mm. Uh, this then <clears throat> got taken farther by his let's see was it his it's like his nephew or something um anyway someone luigi fuck what's his name luigi and i don't know another dude do you want mario because i'll give you mario if that's what you're looking for luigi galvani and then who was uh dad blame it boy yeah sorry whatever it's okay oh giovanni aldini Man. Yeah, right? Very strong names. His nephew. So his nephew, this is now the early 1800s, took this farther and decided he was going to try and apply it to people. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So there was a guy... People used Hi, silly. I'm still going to send it. He definitely sent it. Sorry, I was late. I had to find it. It's okay. There... There were a lot of people getting hung back then, I guess, for all kinds of things. Um, Sorry. I mean, so this guy, George Forster, uh, was hung for a very good reason. He killed his wife and child. Oh, well. Yep. I feel so. I'm not sorry anymore. You know, it's not the good worst. Good riddance. Uh, so he, he got hung. As soon as he was declared dead, they took him to a nearby college where Giovanni Aldini and a audience of medical students tried to revive him to clarify this was like this was this was planned like hey we're gonna hang this guy yep yep so he he had moved on from working on animals and been like where can i get a dead person and the police were like here you go we got a bunch we yeah we do this every day we'll bring you one every day yep um, so I'm going to read briefly from a All That's Interesting article because they sum- called Real Frankenstein Experiments. God bless. They summarize it pretty well. Um, <clears throat> Giovanni first moved the limbs and struck the face to demonstrate that Foster or Forster was fully dead. Struck the face. Uh-huh. Then, He's just finding creative ways to kung fu this dude. Like, see? No, no reaction. Very dead. All right. Then he soaped the dead man's ears with salt water and stuck sponges in them to conduct electricity. Oh, boy. Finally, he applied electrodes to each ear and passed a current through the man's head. Yikes. In the words of a horrified reporter who witnessed the demonstration, quote, on the first application of the process to the face, the jaws of the deceased criminal began to quiver and the adjoining muscles were horribly contorted. One eye actually opened... In the subsequent part of the process, the right hand was raised and clenched into a fist, and the legs and thighs were set in motion. Gonna be a good day. (laughs) (laughs) We win! So he electrocutes this this newly deceased dude through the brain and gets him to open his eyes, raise a fist up in the air, and shake his legs around. And I bet everybody in the audience was, like, crawling underneath their chairs. Someone in the room died. (laughs) what yeah like so like holy shit they died someone watching it died on the spot 
Oh, oh <laughs> so not only boy. did they not revive him, they killed another person. <laughs> Yo, you know this. Wait, this is Giovanni or Luigi? Lu- uh, Giovanni. Giovanni's like, bring him down here. <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> Throw him Sorry, on the table. Quick. <laughs> I jolt his ass too. Let's go. <laughs> George didn't work, but get that dude up here. I need some more salt water. <laughs> it's only funny because they've been dead for 200 years. Yeah, guys, we don't do dead people episodes very often, right? So, yeah, that was 1803. It's a long time ago. That's a really long time ago that right. people were, man. That was 31 years before the word scientist was invented. <laughs> In. And and I have a very important question, which is, what did Giovanni consider himself at the time? Just a Giovanni, I just guess. Just a guy. <laughs> just a guy in a classroom killing people with his fear tactics. Just, just a wet, crazy dude. Of life reanimation. Yep. Man, so I, he's going to do her, bud. If we skip ahead to the 1900s, uh, 1920s and 30s, there was a Russian dude named Sergei hmm, Brokhoenko. Brokhoenko. Yeah, sure. Hello, I am Sergei, Sergei Brokhoenko. That guy. Um, I will bring your dead family back to life. He spent a few years developing this heart-lung machine. I call it heart-lung machine. His idea was that if you had the head of a thing... Okay. In his case, he used dogs. Oh, sad. <laughs> and you could pump oxygenated blood through it. Okay. You could keep the head of the thing alive without the rest of it. As- so essentially, if your brain is consistently getting warm oxyne- oxygenated blood, it's good to go. Bark, bork, bork. <laughs> yes. I, get, I mean, I guess that stands to reason if you can keep putting blood and oxygen in the brain mm-hmm. so he it was essentially it was essentially two pumps and then like a receptacle so he's using the animal's own blood pumping it out oxygenating oxygenating it warming it and then pumping it back in i have a gross question sure was this were they like Killing dogs for this purpose? Well, yeah. Okay. The Russians just really hate dogs for some reason. They don't give a fuck, bro. (laughs) They always have. They don't give a fuck. Remember when the Olympics were there and they were just going around killing wild dogs? Is that a thing that happens? Wow. It looks bad to have feral dogs by the Olympic Village, so they just killed a whole bunch of dogs before the Olympics started. Fucking fucked up Uncle Vlad was just like, well, bring the street sweepers out, literally. Yeah. That's fucked. I hate it. Uh, Hell no! <laughs> from that uh, book by Frank Swain that I referenced earlier, uh, in February of 1929, there was a student paper from, the I don't know the author, but from MIT that reported that Sergey and uh, an associate had kept a severed dog's head alive for three and a half hours. A month later, Time Magazine wrote, quote, vague reports have been reaching the U.S. that Russian scientists have revived corpses. 
Oh, ho, 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 no. <laughs> no, me gusta. Um, and this had gone back to at least 1902 when another Russian gentleman named Alexei mm, Kulabko, Kuliabko, uh, had a rabbit that had been dead for 44 hours and managed to restart its heart. Which seems like an incredibly long time. Whoa. And then was able to repeat this several times up to five days after an animal had died. What? Five days. I mean, this is, you know, coming out of Russia almost 120 years ago. So And on the internet. Take it for what you will. Yes. From a book. Okay. Slightly better than the internet. Yes. Someone other than the person who wrote it probably looked at it before it got published. Here's hoping. Um. Yeah, five days after a rabbit had been had died, apparently they were able to restart its heart. I don't know if that means reviving the animal, but they were able to like generate blood flow. I guess. Well, my question with restart the heart is like, are we talking about the heart beating on its own? I think I don't know, because because I feel like if the way that I understand it, and again. We are the dumb, dumb, sweary boys. But the way I understand it is like your brain has to tell your heart to keep beating, even though it's subconscious for us on a daily basis. Like it, it doesn't just do that on its own without any brain signal. Right. Right. I, no, I don't think so. Unless you're like, yeah, directly stimulating it somehow. I'm just saying, I guess what I'm saying is you have to have both. Like when they say they restarted the heart. You have to have, be able to get a brain signal. And you're saying to be alive or to keep that heart going. To, yes. Yeah. yeah. Which... I don't know if I one mean, is is one dependent on the other though. You know, if you generate blood flow through the brain, does then the brain restart? It's a, probably a really dumb biology question, but they're you know they're correlated, right? Right. Well, because you have to have oxygenated blood going into the brain for the brain to do the thing that it's doing. Right. To, for it to tell the heart to do the thing that the heart's supposed to do. Right. Right. To send right. the blood back to the brain. Right. Right. Can you believe we exist, man? No, I try like, not to think about it too much. The fucking, all of the little things that should probably be going wrong inside of my body right now. Yep. Just don't. Yep. And that's insane to me. Like the fact that your stomach just like, yeah, like, yes, people have ulcers, but like for the most part, your stomach just is a contained unit and mm -hmm. it digests your food and passes it into your intestine. Do you know how many millions of things probably could and should go wrong just with that one organ on a daily basis? Yeah. And it just doesn't. I mean, it sometimes it do. It do, but like, <laughs> but like most of- It for don't most, until it do. It don't until it do, but like for most people, yeah. that's just like, you don't even think about your stomach. Mm -mm. And then you just apply that to like the other 7 million- like microcosms of that that happen in your body on a daily basis. We shouldn't be here, man. We shouldn't yeah. be here. Or we should. We figured it out. Fucking A. We were, I guess. We did a lot of things right or, you know, had a lot of time to get shit wrong. A lot of ancestors worked real hard on these uh, these genetic evolutions yeah. for us to be functional, not having our butts fall out and our fucking heads <laughs> fall off and shit. <laughs> so, dude, eventually after being able to keep uh, dogs alive... For one of, it claims like months for one of them. Months? Yeah. What? I mean. Or no, no, no. Sorry. 
That was eventually he started stitching dogs together in true pigeon rat no! form. <laughs> no, 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 Dude, there, no, no. There are some wild. If you want, I hate it. If you want to ruin your day, there are photos and video of a lot of this stuff. Absolutely not. There's a video, like a 27 minute long video, that is on YouTube that I'll link to because it's fucking crazy. Hell, Hell no. no. <laughs> um, it is called Experiments in the Revival of Organisms. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I'm disturbed. I don't know why I decided to do this. Uh, I can't find the button right now, but it's fine. the sentiment we, I feel. Yeah, we get it. So he then decided to try and revive human beings. I mean, it's a natural progression, right? If you feel like you are getting success with smaller organisms, you're going to work your ass up to the, the big kahuna. Yeah, he was feeling pretty good about dogs. He was <laughs> killing them and bringing them back to life like all the time. Check me out. He actually would have He started just like euthanizing dogs and then 10 minutes later being like, all right, get up, you silly bastard, and, and bringing them back. That's That can't be true. Yeah. It can't be true. Yeah, you think it is? I can't be true. Anyway, so in 1929, <laughs> he um, and a guy named Fyodor Andreev decided to try and revive a guy who had died during surgery the day before. So they hooked up a bunch of pumps to him. And started pumping uh, a solution of, let's see, sodium chloride, calcium chloride, potassium chloride, sodium bicarbonate, and dextrose, which apparently is a solution that would keep the heart pumping after they, like, electrically stimulated it. Hmm. So there was some chemical solution that somehow they discovered would help Yeah, with the process. Yep, so they start pumping all this stuff into the dude and also gave him a shot of adrenaline. Pulp Fiction right there, yeah. straight to the heart. Yeah. Seen it. Hail. Uh, my dad, when he was dead, got two shots of adrenaline straight into his heart. That's right. Yeah, yeah he's got a weird little heart thing because of it. Really? He leaves like a little bit of scar tissue. He's got oh. like a little funky valve thing because there's like scar tissue. But, oh. When somebody jabs a needle into your heart twice. Right, but he's... Wait, you're saying he's got like, is it like a heart problem? Or is no, it he's just... fine. It's just like a, you know, you go to the doctor and they're like, hey, you know about this thing? He's like, yeah, I know about that thing. Yeah, I got a scar there. Yeah, yeah I get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, Um. Anyway, so they they pumped all this stuff into him, shot him up with adrenaline, and his heart starts beating. And it says in the book, quote, a wet choking sound erupted from his throat. Absolutely not. Assistants fled the room in terror. They kept his heart beating for 20 minutes before it stopped. <laughs> Cathorn for that one. Cathorn, bro. 20 minutes. It's pretty good, right? back for 20 minutes. In 1929, they brought a man back from the dead who had been dead for a full day, not like a matter of minutes. For 24 hours, they they got his heart going for 20 minutes. I guess- And he made some weird wet sounds, apparently. Mm, Goo. Mm -hmm. I'm debating- The the reason I gave you Cathorn on that one is because I'm trying to debate whether or not I should be psyched about this possibility or whether I should be really disturbed. I mean, we do it now, right? In what way? With defibrillators? Yeah. We bring well, p- people back from, quote, the dead. Usually the, not, you know, after days, but... The thing that I'm wondering, particularly with these specific situations about, is, like, how... Like, the point that I was making earlier about the frog leg stuff, how much of that... I don't know what I'm trying to say, like, if you're pumping things through your body and like trying to restart your heart and stuff like that, like how much of that can create 
like secondary effects that make it appear the illusion of life. Yeah, make yeah. it appear like your your blood's moving, so your muscles move, so you like you know your throat you know contracts because there's it's, liquid going past it, and then it's it like an extension gir- of the frog leg muscle reaction. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like is like is that is that part of this or like I, I don't know. I guess I just have a hard time with, and, and I'm sure they did too at the time. Like, what's the definition of this thing being? back or alive or or seemingly alive or whatever they tried it one other time with a person and it went quote unquote better (laughs) uh this person had been dead for three hours and they did the same thing and started pumping blood through him with the the dog head blood pumping machine yeah yeah and they they like warmed the body up too because Mm. Apparently that's important, or they thought it was. Yeah, um, it actually is for what it's worth. And so that whole process of like the chemical solution, the the blood, the warming, they did over the course of a couple of hours. And after like two or three hours, they heard his heart start to beat. Got it. Then they heard a noise from his throat. Then his eyes opened. And then he started looking around at people. Bro. For two minutes. Bro. To the point where they all freaked out, had a, oh, fuck, what have we done moment, and turned everything off and then never did it again. His head fell off. (laughs) It didn't. The dogs did. Oh, yeah. Well, one of the dogs gained a new head. That photo is fucked. Don't do it. There's a dog with two heads on the internet if you want to see it. Heck, heck, heck. (laughs) Don't do it. Oh, man. You know, the other thing about this that I find very, like, intense and kind of disturbing is, like, as we're going through this process, I have this weird, like, I have this weird sympathy for the dead. Uh, Yeah. Or, yeah, I guess sympathy... Empathy is not the right word, obviously, but sympathy for the dead, I guess, because it's like, as we're doing these things, we have no idea what type of, like, effect this has on, like, a a, a thing, a spirit, a soul, an individual, a, a being. Right. Was that like, person back for two minutes? And, like... Did he have, was he conscious for part of that? was yeah uh with like with the dog ones like like i think with things about like and this is i don't mean to get like too graphic but i think about like with the dog ones you think about like you're a bodiless being and if it's possible to bring your brain back to life that sensation of being bodiless and like probably in pain i mean you still technically have nerves and there's blood running to where your nerves would be. I mean, like I would imagine there's probably pain involved. I don't know. You've also severed your spinal cord. Yeah. I just, you might not feel anything. Maybe. I don't know, but it's like, but we don't know. We don't know. Right. So like somebody probably does. The two of us don't, I guess. And they may not have in 1903 when they were doing some of this shit or like, or your brain is used to like, breathing but you're not breathing because you don't have lungs like you know the, all this stuff is like extremely unethical that's what i'm getting at is like like is it is it really fucked up to even be trying this yes 
Definitely. With, <laughs> with any of these humans or fucking dead yes, absolutely. animals. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> absolutely. All right. Unequivocally. Yeah. I mean, you're killing things. Well, the killing part is not the... You're saying you're killing it because you're potentially bringing it back and then in a no, way No, they that's killed not... these things first to do experiments on them. Okay, well, that's for sure unethical. Well, <laughs> I don't know. We kill stuff to do experiments on all the time to, to this day or kill pe- kill stuff in the process of doing experiments on it all the time. That doesn't mean we should be. And I'm not saying we should. I'm just saying also, it's, I mean, it's not like a extinct thing. Sure. I'm more I, I, I mean- Human experimentation is essentially, or it's supposed to be. Yeah. Although there's some stuff like, you know, one of the articles I found was a company that's trying to do super futuristic regeneration of spinal cords in people who are comatose or have had like traumatic back or like neck injuries as a way of potentially like seeing if they can basically if they can bring their spinal cord back. Can they bring back the the connection to the brainstem and will that somehow like bring them back to life? And those people don't have the ability to make that choice, but their families are signing people up for these trials where they're trying to do regeneration things. I mean, that gets messy in a lot of ways if you no longer have the ability to make decisions and you haven't instructed your family or whoever. And they're trying to bring you back because they love you and they've kept you in a, you know, on life support for years or whatever. Write down what you want right now i mean yeah telling everyone to do that uh at some point yeah for sure it's like backing up your hard drive for sure do it just fucking do it you don't know when it's gonna happen just write some shit down it it's so much better than not you know and you can fucking (laughs) yeah and it it takes two minutes if you want to and like put your fucking phone password in there and like your computer password there yeah i mean or not or or not but i'm saying you don't want people looking through your shit right you know get some weird shit on my phone but if you don't look at it (laughs) what was the the my brother my brother me guys i would say blast my cash blast my cash yeah as what in it? like on on your website oh in c-a-c-h-e yes as, ah. in, as in dude i come back to my internet browser and blast my cash for me the things that i type into google you know twice a week when i'm prepping our shows and then i forget about later and then you got to type something into your browser and something or, gets predicted and you're like, what? Or the other day I let someone else use my computer and, uh, then, and they were very freaked out. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but like, you know, Google suggests things. Right. Got some wild suggestions in there. That's like that one day we talked about every your letter Am- of the alphabet at this point. Yeah. That's like that one day we talked about your Amazon suggestions. Oh the, boy. The, they don't the, know what to do. The products Amazon thinks you want to buy. Spotify is getting that way for me too. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess I just like, I, it makes me super, um, I don't know, like, and I don't know, like there, it's just, there's this finality to death that I feel like we all grapple with throughout our lives. And there is something weird to me. Like I get uncomfortable about playing with that. Yeah. Cause about, we, don't, we don't know. We don't understand it. Yeah. And about, and about trying to undo something that is like like is a natural process and is again, like there's a finality to like, should we fuck with that? I don't know. Yeah. But then there's I mean, like we, pe- we are in less dramatic ways all the time though. Well, and that's the other thing you were like, you were just saying, like we give people fucking, you know, we give people the paddles in a fucking ambulance every fucking day. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's some people that don't want to be resuscitated under any circumstances. Right. Once I'm out, I'm out. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, these are especially fucked because 
most of them were done without consent, which right. makes it way worse. And that the it was police so... were like, here's a dead criminal. Exactly. Fuck with it. And like one of these cases that we won't spend much time on because it's especially fucked, a woman was hung. I mean, the further back in history you go, the worse it gets because totally. we understood less and less, especially around medicine. And we just had no regard for anything yeah, or anyone. Exactly. Uh, but a woman was hung for killing her child. And ah, whatever. That's, that story is awful. <laughs> The setup and then the the eject button. Yeah, don't worry about it. We got better stories to tell. All right. Um, I think that's it on the crate. Oh no 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 no! I almost <laughs> forgot. I almost forgot the best part of this whole book. Hey, uh, give me one second. We there, won't do that to y'all. There is a section in this book by Frank Swain. Um, I I love the way he writes because it it starts with like. Here's, you know, sort of a, like, understandable baseline of applying electricity to muscles of a frog. Sure. They move. And then we get all the way to, by the end of that same chapter, a man punching a sheep back to life. Uh, excuse me? So there was a guy uh, <laughs> named Dr. Ivy. That sounds like a very rudimentary form of CPR. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> He, he became live, it, <laughs> he became fascinated in the early 1900s with this form of martial arts called katsu k-a-t-s-u that uh it was i think it's like a branch of jujitsu or sorry a, a subdivision of judo oh. known as katsu okay i can get on board with this so it was originally created to revive judo students who were ac- accidentally accidentally Killed or knocked unconscious during judo. Wait, excuse me? This is like a thing that happened enough that they had to invent a thing to address the thing? I guess so. I mean, the the, the unconscious part makes sense. You're you're essentially fighting. Sometimes somebody's going to get knocked out. Yeah. There are probably ways to bring someone back to consciousness more quickly. Yeah, the but The death like, part is a little weirder. Yeah, y'all shouldn't be... Don't yeah. die. Yeah. yeah. Hope you don't dick her. I thought the whole point was like self-defense, right? Like not like, oh, get killed trying to. I don't know anything about martial arts, but I'm I'm uh, pretty bro. sure you're not supposed to die. I've told my karate story in this show, right? Maybe. Let me, yeah. let me finish do it, this. Do it, do it. So, quote, the skilled practitioner would deliver several sharp blows and vigorous massages at specified nerve endings, bones, and joints, Whoa. such as the upper lip, temple, clavicle. Neck, spine, and para- peritoneum, a membrane lining the abdomen. Damn. With hopefully dramatic consequences. <laughs> hopefully dramatic, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's a like a guide to it called the Complete Kanu Jiu-Jitsu that was written in 1935 that says, blows may be struck that cause insensibility, which I'm assuming means unconsciousness, or death. Uh, there's a notion that because one who has been killed by a fatal blow can be brought back to life, he was not really killed after all. A f- when a fatal jujitsu blow is struck in the right way, the processes of life are mechanically stopped. <laughs> it requires the prompt manipulations of Katsu to set these vital forces at work again, and thus to restore life. Wow. So that can't be real, but it's a cool idea. Well... They decided to test it in 1933 on an 80-pound lamb who they killed with nitrogen. Uh, 
Yeah, right. Jesus. Waited. Th- they just had no regard for human I life. I mean, I guess I don't know how else you do life. it, but. Yeah, they. Because I guess part of the whole reanimating thing is like, you can't like, you can't do things that like totally fuck with its form, you know? Like you can't. Unless you're going to sh- just cut a dog's head off like that one dude. I like guess. Sergey. But like you can't shoot it in the brain. Right. Because it needs. It's like. Right. So it's like, how do you kill a thing that. Maybe so, don't. Hey, guys, maybe don't. Maybe we just don't do this anymore. So, in, well, yeah, hopefully we don't. These, these, there's a reason all these stories are from 100 years ago. Breach. An 80-pound lamb was killed. Uh, they waited 30 minutes. And then this Dr. Ivy, which is I-V-I-E, started performing katsu on it. Hit it on the lip. So, punch it in the tummy. <laughs> uh, he started rubbing his ears real fast. Frank does a great job here again describing it. He says, history does not record which one of the seven katsus Ivy used, though surely it was not number six, a knuckle strike to the foot that is reserved exclusively for those incapacitated by testicular injury. Oh, my God. Uh, perhaps he opted for number three, a knee strike targeted between the shoulder blades. Oh, so Frank is just roasting right yeah, now yeah. for sure. Or number five, scalp massage. Or number Aww. seven, the most important form of katsu, used for the treatment of any kind of injury that causes unconsciousness or apparent death. It involves a sharp blow to a point on the mid-spine, which in layman's terms means that Ivy would have attempted to punch a sheep back to life. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal sentence. In any- also, by punching it in the back? It just punch it right in the spine. Oh, that mm-hmm. doesn't sound like I'm that. Up, I'm up, I'm up. Ah, fuck, I'm awake. <laughs> Yeah, I'm awake because my back has been rebroken in death, and a lot it sucks. Of, a lot of these things sound like they would probably work on an unconscious person, at least some of the time. Uh, less so on a dead person. Yeah. I uh, bet if you stomped on my foot when I was unconscious, there would be enough pain receptors there for my body to be like, ah, what the fuck? Or, yeah, at least sometimes. Or yeah. at least sometimes you would coincidentally become conscious again in that moment or soon after. Right. Anyway, he so they slap somebody who's unconscious, man. He ends the section by saying, "In any case, his katsu failed, as he did a as as did a post katsu spell on the sheep. Mm. So they did not revive the sheep, but he attempted to punch a sheep back to life. <laughs> and God bless him for it, because we, now we get now we get that sentence in our vocabularies. Yep. Unreal, unreal. All right, uh, you got anything? I do. I have oh. one story." Go ahead. Human head transplants are a thing that another guy is trying to do. Again, what are we doing here? People got bad heads. They need new ones. What are we doing here? Got a bad head? Give me a new one. So the goal is- Give me your head. Connect every (laughs) artery and vein and Mm -hmm. muscle Mm -hmm. and spinal cord Mm -hmm. attachment from somebody else. Sergio Canavero is claiming he will do the- He's an Italian neurosurgeon who claims he's going to do the first head transplant. When? Um, let's see. He says he did in 2017, but no one has confirmed that. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Also, China was the only place willing to let him try, apparently. Well. So we can apply that last statement to China as well. That also sounds like that might be true. Yep. What do you, I mean, how does that even, what do you just get? A You're fucking... using it wrong. Give it, give it to me. Take what? this one. This one's a piece of shit. Give me your head. Yeah. Like, well, but that's. <laughs> let's, tra- th- let's trade. Like what? What are we doing here? Are we taking a? Are we taking a dead? Who fucking knows? I just wanted to say it. That's... Mostly, I wanted to say put human head transplant on the list. Oh, oh, oh I'm gonna <laughs> I'm do it. it. All right, all right. So speaking of the small moments, uh, the small moments in which we are doing 
a version of what we're talking about on a daily basis. I want to tell a really quick story uh, to close uh, this episode about Anna Bogenholm. Okay. Anna Bogenholm uh, was born in 1970 in Bonnersborg, Sweden. Mm. And Sounds lovely. She had an accident in 1999. Uh, Anna is was, excuse me, a radiologist at the time who uh, was studying to become an orthopedic surgeon. And she was doing her residency at uh, a hospital in Narvik, Norway, Mm -hmm. where she and friends uh, would go basically skiing when they're not doing their rounds in their residency to become orthopedic surgeons. So they go skiing one day uh, outside of Narvik, Norway, and it's downhill mixed with cross country, I guess, like a lot of flat areas, but also there are there are mountains in the area as well, so you can go downhill for a while. Real life skiing. Yeah, real life skiing, like the real shit. Like, skiing to get places skiing. Yeah, we, we live in Minnesota where there's not nearly enough elevation for there to be real, real skiing here, um, lot, but, but, uh, but a lot of cross country skiers. Um, Anna Nordic is skiing, if you will, Nordic skiing, if you will, mm-hmm. you and I with our Nordic blood, um, they are going down a steep part of a mountain outside of Narvik, uh, on a day. It was, it was the 20th of May, 1999 and Anna loses control of her skis going down this mountain in the process of doing so. She, uh, she landed I can't I can't exactly the write-ups in a few different places spell it differently. It seems like she essentially caught the tips of her skis and Ooh. went over the front of them. Cut her head clean off. She needed a new one. Did not that was not <laughs> the case, but boy, it it ain't great. Um it it seems like what happened was she basically flipped over the front of her skis, landed with her torso on top of a stream that was frozen over with eight inches of ice, and she flipped with enough force for her head and torso and basically most of her body to go directly into the water. But the hole wasn't through eight inches of ice. I mean, there was probably a weakness at some point, but the, but the ice in the area at a certain point they measured was, uh, was okay. eight inches. Um, she didn't go all the way down because her skis were wide enough to basically keep her, dangling in this hole in this stream off of this waterfall because the skis basically created like a a trap for her body in the hole that her torso had gone through. Does that make sense? So she went head first through the ice. Her feet and skis are still above the ice and she's stuck underwater head first. Exactly. Ugh. Sounds like a nightmare, right? Uh-huh. So as soon as this happens, uh, she had two friends with her who attempted to rescue her um, as soon as they had seen this, but they failed. And they, seven minutes later, which seems like way too long from my perspective, they called emergency services. Hmm. Seven minutes, though, I mean, like, I don't know. You I feel like try I'm, and do what you can yourself first. I guess. I just, I feel like immediately I would be like, oh, shit, we're fucked. Yeah, you might want to one person help and one person call quick but yeah whatever i, I think but if i saw my friend 
head first in a river, I'd probably try and go help first. Yeah, you're going after it. Yeah. For sure. I get it. Um somehow, some way, on a under the ice along this stream or over this stream found an air pocket. She wim hoffed it. She wim hoffed it. She's basically coated in water but she's been able to pry her head up high enough towards the ice where she can breathe okay but she's getting soaked in water and the stream is fast enough that her friends can't pull her out right because she's and and they can't break up the ice or anything either they like get her skis off they uh but if they get if they take her skis off she's gonna just go down the stream oh like you right. gotta, you you would have to have a foot be able to dislodge the ski and then pull her entire body out. Plus, you can't get close enough on the on the ice. Yeah, because the ice is gonna break going apart, yeah. and then they're going in too, and then they're all gonna drown. My goodness, this sucks. Time. Okay, it's a terrible situation. It is, but I promise this one, as opposed to some more other ones, has an interesting and happier ending. Um, it attached her head to a golden retriever, and she lived for another thirty years. That's it. We're done. <laughs> Have a great See night. See you next week. See you next week. Giddy up. Um, they uh, basically they say that she remained conscious for about forty minutes of this. So she was in this position Ugh. underwater, under the ice, in this air pocket for about forty minutes until she lost consciousness and couldn't communicate with her friends anymore. A rescue team that came via helicopter went. One went up the stream and one went down the mountain to try to see who could get there fastest to get to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting to your point about could they not like get through the ice to get to her? They um, they could not break through the ice with the team that came from the top of the mountain because they didn't have they had ice picks, but their How picks the wouldn't get through. get through. I don't know, man. I think she That's really crazy. I think she really took like a like I think it was like a it was steep enough that she took a like a front flip off a mountain and like bla- like blasted through it. How would that impact not kill you though? Or at least knock you out? I mean, good question. I don't know. I don't know. But the All team right. from the bottom uh the team from the bottom brought a pointed gardening shovel and were able to cut a hole through the ice and pull her through. She had been in the water uh, for 80 minutes when she was rescued. Ugh. And still alive? 40 minutes, 40 minutes when after, so sorry, halfway through that, she lost consciousness. Right. When they pulled her out, she had no blood circulation, no heartbeat, and she was not breathing. And had been for, And had been who for knows? almost an hour at that point. Well, we don't necessarily know that, right? Uh, that's true. We don't, we don't know when the actual heartbeat stopped, but we know that when they she lost her consciousness out, 40 minutes prior, but because she wasn't communicating and yeah. yelling through the ice anymore. But when she wasn't, there's no, they don't know right. when, when right, her right. heart actually stopped after that point. I know this is gruesome, but it gets really interesting because they essentially helicopter her to the nearest hospital, which Narvik is like relatively remote. So they're taking her to the nearest hospital. Um, they are doing CPR the entire time. As soon as they get her out, her body temperature uh, when she was lifted out of the water was 56.7 degrees Fahrenheit, Oof. which if you've ever taken your temp for a cold, you know, is about half of what uh-huh. you're supposed to be. It's not enough. Uh, the doctor said, quote, she has completely dilated pupils. She is ashen and flaxen white. Oof. She's wet and ice cold when I touch her skin and looks absolutely dead. <laughs> 
She's wet. Seems like the least of her worries at this point. True, but <laughs> yes, she was in a stream for an hour and a half. Very frozen water for what's it's worth. For what it's worth, um, she went into the water at eighteen twenty-seven local time. So six. 6.30, basically, for those that aren't doing... The, the second half of that shouldn't change. 6.27. What do you mean? He went from 18.27 oh, to 6.30. I know. I was just... <laughs> six, roughly 6.30 p.m. for those that are yes. uh, those Dumb. that are not on military time. Um, She arrived at the hospital at 21.10. So that's... Yep. Nine... Two and a half hours-ish later. 9.10. Um, Through... <laughs> This is crazy. Through cardi- cardiopulmonary a- bypass. Go ahead. Sorry. It was a two, two and a half hour trip back to the hospital. Correct. But they got a helicopter there in an hour? Well, the helicopter dropped a team at the top of the mountain, and they didn't know where she was. I'm just saying, how did they get people to her in an hour, but it took two and a half to get her to a hospital? Because they had to fly the helicopter to wherever they were going because Narvik is in the middle of nowhere and there wasn't, I don't think there was a hospital there were, in Narvik. So they're two and a half hours from a hospital, but well, no, there an had hour to have been from a, hosp- a helicopter? There yeah. had to have been a hospital in Narvik because that's where they were doing their residency. So I don't know, I guess. It seems like a really long time, but whatever. I don't know. I mean, I think there, you also have to factor in the amount of time it took them for them to actually get her out of the ice. And I don't know how long it took for them to actually get her out oh, of there. Oh, you're saying maybe that's... I got you. She went in. So two hours and 40 minutes from when they got to her, not from when they left with her. Uh, Is that what you're saying? I'm saying at, at, at 630, she went in Oh, oh to the oh, ice. Okay. Never mind. That makes sense then. And so then, she was in there for 80 minutes. They got her out. That probably took a while. Then they had another hour back somewhere. Okay. Now I'm with you. Then, Sorry. They, then they flew. No, yep. you're good. Then they flew to the hospital. Yeah, so there there had to have been a hospital in Norway because that's where they they were doing their residencies. Yep. Um, so so th- essentially, roughly three hours later, she has been getting CPR this entire time. She's been unconscious for two almost two of those hours. Two, yeah. She has More, no yeah, she has two. no blood circulation outside of the fact that she's getting CPR and she's getting you know breathed in and like something stimulating her heart, but that's it. Yeah. Um. They attach her to a cardiopulmonary bypass machine, which is actually super similar to one of the things that you were talking about, which is essentially it's a thing that like it goes into your lungs and makes your lungs expand and contract to pull air in and push it back out again. And then it's the way that I understand it is it's actually a machine that like you plug your veins, like they plug into a vein and there's like an in and an out. It It takes it out and pumps it through. It's like a fake heart essentially outside of your body that's pushing the blood all the way through your body and also has a warming feature to the point that you were talking about where it basically warms the blood up outside and pushes it through the whole body because you don't have the core temperature at the time to be doing, to be warming the blood on your own. Long story short, I guess, uh, at what was the time? Wait for it. Uh, she got connected to the cardiopulmonary machine at 2140. Mm-hmm. So over three hours after that point, she took her first heartbeat at, damn it, I had it right here. 17 days later. 2215. Okay. So basically four hours later, her heart beat again for the first time. Okay. 
Seems like too long. Seems like way too long for somebody to be not around for. Yeah. She woke up paralyzed from the neck down. Did she have other injuries? Uh, Yes. Okay. Like, is the paralyzation because she also broke bones or uh, this was a result of just the... The trauma? I don't entirely know specifically. Her digestive system and her kidneys were all fucked up when she was brought back. Okay. They think largely because her body, her full body temperature had brought, been brought down so low for so long. Brought 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 it. It was brought it. Brought it? Brought it. <laughs> None of these are words. Um, But essentially, after a super intense, super long-term stay in both the ICU and a bunch of physical therapy, she has some nerve damage from the hypothermia to like the ends of her fingers and toes to think. the extent that she is no longer capable of being a surgeon because you need... Yeah. You need the nerves in those very specific places to be able to, to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but she is a fully functioning, no brain damage, like human being in the world who was that seems essentially dead for four hours. That's crazy. The story is unbelievable. She got interviewed with ABC News, uh, BBC News, like a bunch of people picked this up because it's one of the most, it, it is the coldest or one of the coldest temperatures a body has ever been documented coming to uh and, and surviving and surviving that process without there being basically like so much tissue damage Permanent that the damage, human being yeah. dies um and and yeah it's it's just this phenomenally strange and wild story there's this quote about one of the doctors talks about how persistence is the key because people that continue to just pump her heart and push oxygen right. into her lungs was one of the only things because again it goes back to the stories we were talking about earlier you just need a machine that keeps pushing oxygen and pumping the blood around and it's faking what your body needs to sustain itself yeah so the only thing that really was her negative effects was the hypothermia that was just caused from the the, the tissue death uh or the nerve death from the the tissue being that cold in her fingers for so long but outside of that she's like a totally normal person after four hours that's wild a wild one all right let's hope if we ever get in that situation someone's that persistent push on your friends hearts if push, they need you to help them out push help, on your friends help your friends out another way you can help your friends out is by telling them about the what if podcast <laughs> what if podcast.com that was awful <laughs> if you want to leave us a voicemail at 612-246-4614 send us an email it's hi what if podcast.com thank y'all for listening to the show thank you for, for your support Thank you for riding with us through a slightly bumpy episode in the new Giddy location. Up. Giddy up. Giddy up, motherfuckies. This is Swery Boys. We love y'all. We'll see you next week.